Well, thanks for joining us here uh, this morning again. I just want to add my welcome. My name is Seth. I'm one of the pastors here uh, at Salem, and uh, I have the the privilege and the honor to to introduce uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Dale Hellevang. Dale and his wife, Marsha, have been long... uh, time members here uh, at Salem, and uh, Dale uh, has become a good friend and a, and a great mentor and just someone that I look up to and appreciate and very much respect. So, uh, and if you've ever heard of uh, BSF, anybody, Bible Study Fellowship, uh, Dale has been the, uh, the, the men's leader for that for how many years? 28. 28 years. So it's incredible, isn't it? Such a good ministry. So good. By the way, uh, whenever I think of BSF, and I told you this earlier, I, I confuse it in my mind with BFS, which is the strength and conditioning from my high school. And so it's called Bigger, Faster, Stronger. And so every time I think of BSF, I think BFS, and I think of Dale, who is bigger, faster, and stronger than me. So, hey, th- <laughs> thanks for um, being so willing and gracious to, uh, to lead us in, in God's word this morning. So, Absolutely. Thanks. Thank you. Well, good morning, everybody. I have two takeaways from that welcome. First off, 28 years makes me realize that I've been doing that 10 years more than the age of the college or the high school graduates that we're going to recognize. Old. Uh, I wasn't sure I liked the part about the bigger either, but uh, <laughs> that comes with another year of COVID. But uh, grateful to have an opportunity to come and share with you this morning uh, for a few minutes from God's Word. And, you know, when I was approached about doing this, I was uh, graciously agreed to do that and began thinking about how to plan and thinking about Pastor Kent. And I figured, well, the first thing I need to do is come up with an acrostic. That didn't work. Uh, Then I started to think about better learn how to use the glass whiteboard. Realized that a stick man looks the same if you write him on the front or the back. (laughs) Didn't work. Reached out to the children's ministry for ideas. Uh, They suggested the topic of my talk be why dogs are better than cats. That didn't work. So uh, God took me back to the Bible, which is where we need to be. And so uh, as we began this morning, I was just thinking a little bit about, I just uh, celebrated a birthday in May always gracious when God gives me another year. And uh, one of the reasons that I look forward to my birthday is the card that I'm about to get from my wife. Uh, Because she never forgets, unlike other people in the marriage. Uh, (laughs) She's faithful. And, you know, what she does is she gives me a buck and tells me to go down to the store and buy myself a card. No, she doesn't do that. Uh, she's very gracious and loving. But uh, I open up uh, a birthday card from her and realize that because it's a Hallmark card, there are probably hundreds of people out there getting the same card that has the same words inside it. But mine is special. Why? Because it was given to me. And it was given to me by someone who loves me and knows that I love them. And as we open up the Bible and and study it and read it for ourselves, it's good for us to remember that 
You know, these words were written thousands of years ago. They've been translated into different languages to be appropriate at the time. But nevertheless, God's word, the way it has been given, has been around for years and years and years. And yet it endures and it becomes personal when it becomes ours. And we claim these things for ourselves. And that's what we're going to take a look at this morning. And uh, we're going to, to dig into the book of Genesis. But in reality, we realize that the entirety of, entirety of the Bible is woven together by God. And, you know, it begins way back at the beginning of Genesis with the creation and the first people, Adam and Eve. And it continues all the way through to Genesis, to Revelation. And at the very end, we find the promise that not only of the day that Jesus is going to come again, but also that time will go on, uh, eternity will go on as we spend a wonderful time with him. But it's one plan and one God, and he's been unfolding that from the very, very beginning. And just as he did when Adam and Eve were his first people that he created, over the course of those years, he has brought various individuals, various people into that plan. And they've had a chance to experience his promises. They've had a chance to do the things that he's given and prepared them to do. And he's done that. And, and the Bible's filled with examples of people that we can look up to and, and we can copy to a, a degree. But it's also helpful for us to remember this morning that God is continuing to unfold his plan which means you're now at that place where his plan includes you. This is a time for it to be personal. This is the time for people like you and me to be used by God to continue to unfold his plan. And so as we dig in specifically to an individual by the name of Jacob this morning, I'll encourage you to be thinking about What's my place? What's my relationship? How do I look at God's word and God's promises? How can I apply them to my own life? Uh, we're going to jump ahead a little bit in the lesson from not just the very beginning, but it was a number of years later that it was time as God unfolded that plan that he was going to begin to create the people of Israel. And the Israelites or the people of Israel were to be a special people chosen by him loved by him, but it was to them that he was going to give the Ten Commandments and, and the laws. It was to the people of Israel that he first gave the system of sacrifices and worship that ultimately pointed to the fulfillment of Jesus Christ. It was to the people of Israel that he would give much of his word that we find in the Old Testament and that they were to preserve that and care for that and then to share that with others so that they might learn who God is. And this was a powerful time in the history as God was unfolding that. And it began with three men, or three people, that we might call the patriarchs. And those of you that have studied, the first one is Abraham or Abram. He goes by both names. And then his son Isaac and then his son Jacob. And it all begins in chapter 12 where Abram, or Abram, was just going about his day. He was just an ordinary man. And it says that the Lord came to him with a command. First, 
as it says in verse 1 of chapter 12, the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. So he was telling him to leave everything, really, that he knew, uh, other than his very immediate family, which was his wife. Uh, but he was to leave his father's household. He was to leave his friends, family, and everywhere. And he was simply to go where God would show him to go. And God didn't give him the GPS coordinates up front of where that was going to be. But he was calling Abraham to follow him. But it wasn't just a command that God gave him. As it goes on to say, he gives them this tremendous promise. And it says that I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. All the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. See, God was revealing way back, even as he began to call Abraham, that it was through the lineage of Abraham and on that one day would come the promised Savior, that that promise that he made way back in Genesis at the very beginning with Adam and Eve after the sin that the promise of Jesus So what was Abraham's responsibility? Simply to go. But look at the focus of what God was committing to do. He says, I will make you. I will make your name great. I will bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And the people will be blessed. He didn't tell Abraham to simply go try to do something or to set out to accomplish some things. God was telling him, this is what I'm going to do because this is my plan and I'm sovereign and I'm powerful. But Abram, you're going to have a part of it. I've chosen to include you. And with that will come blessings. But don't forget that this is God's plan and this is God's sovereignty. And so we learn from the very beginning that the promises of God rest on his character and the sovereignty of God. As we open up at the Bible, wherever part of it is, just to remember that it is God that's holding this and God that's in control and God that's unfolding this and God's choosing to use people as he did with Abram and later on with others. Just as he chooses to use people like you and me today. Well, Abram went and followed and we have this wonderful legacy of a man that learned to walk with God Learn to trust God. Learn to wait patiently on God's timing as he waited 25 years for that promised son to be born. And all along the way, God would remind him of his promises. You know, imagine having Abraham as part of your life group. You get together, that question is, well, what's happened in your life this week? And you comment, well, I mowed the lawn. And Abraham would be, well, I went up on the mountaintop and was going to sacrifice Isaac. And, you know, God provided and all these stories. And go, oh, wow. Uh, but God was, was worked powerfully in the life of Abraham. But eventually, Abraham's time was done. According to God's purpose, uh, then it was passed to Isaac, his son. His son learned to walk with God. God worked in his life. He walked with God. And then it was Isaac's time to be done. 
and we find emerging for us his son named Jacob. Jacob was one of twins that were born. But imagine growing up in a home with Abraham as your grandfather and Isaac as your father. You know, I'm sure Jacob, as he grew up, he would have heard story after story about how Abraham had walked with God and all of the powerful and marvelous things that God had done and how faithful God had been to provide for Abraham. He would have heard that from his father Isaac as well and his mother Rebecca would have made sure that she, he learned lots of things about God. But his growing up wasn't always so good and easy either. He was in a home where we find that his parents played favorites. His father favored his other brother. His mother favored him. And that caused all kinds of division and conflict in the family. There was sibling rivalry. There was deceit. There was all kinds of difficulties that were there. And so even though he had heard about all of these promises and understood this about God, one day it actually just blew up and he was running for his life. He was ripped away from his family. He would never see his mother again. He left home with a brother that was threatening to kill him. He left really everything that he knew. And as we come to chapter 28, we find that he is laying alone with a rock for a pillow and perhaps wondering, then where is God? If God did this for my grandfather, Abraham, where is he now? If God cares for us, where might he be now? And he falls asleep alone. And it says that God comes to him in a dream, uh, as was often the case back then. And in that dream, there were there was a stairway or a ladder, and there were angels that were ascending and descending on that ladder. And then it says there above it, verse 13, stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac. See, there was a legacy that was be lived out there. He was reminding him that God's unchanging character, God's unchanging nature, God's faithfulness, and all of that. And the promises were there, but notice the shift that Jacob had to hear. He goes on to say, I will give you and your descendants the land. This is the same promise that he had given to Abraham, but now it's going to be personal for Jacob. It was for you, he says. And your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. And you will spread out from the west and to the east, to the north and the south. And all these people will be blessed, just as I promised Abraham. But they're going to be blessed through you too, Jacob. And through your offspring that it would continue. And God was revealing to Jacob that he was not only the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac, but he was the God of Jacob. And not only that, while Jacob was laying there all alone, God promises, as he goes on to say, and remember, verse 15, I am with you and I will watch over you wherever you go. I will not leave you until I've done what I have promised from you. 
God needed to make those promises personal for Jacob. For Jacob to learn and to remember that when it was his time and his place and God's unfolding plan, that it was, it was a personal thing for Jacob. It just wasn't the faith and experience of someone else, even his grandfather or his father, but it was for him. And God promised to be with Jacob. And so that might be where some of us are here this morning, or maybe recently have. Maybe we were fortunate to grow up where we, we learned lots of things about God. Maybe we had Sunday school. Maybe it was talked about at home. Maybe we heard the examples of how God was working in other people's lives. But there comes that point where we need to come before God and realize that he isn't just the God of Abraham or Isaac or your friend, or your neighbor, or your pastor, or your father, or your mother, or your brother, or your sister, or your friends, but he, he wants us to know that he is our God. And that he's going to be with us, and these promises are for you and me also, not just for them. And that he promises to be with us, no matter where it is that we go, no matter where he takes us. And so we find a little bit later on, that it says that Jacob also makes a commitment. And so he says in verse 1, knowing that God had promised all of these things, in verse 21 he responds, then the Lord will be my God. And it became personal for him, and personal commitment. And so as you face those pivots in your life, those places where perhaps you're left alone, Maybe it's when you're headed off to college, you're graduating and you're leaving home. Maybe it's a job situation that's taken you into a new community. Maybe something's happened in the family where you've been separated, but you've been removed from some of those structures and those places, and this is where God wants to come and make himself real to you and make you come to the point where you realize that he is your God. Not just the God that you hear about, are just not just a God that you read about, but that he's yours, that he's going to be with you and he's going to care for you and he's going to protect you. And so Jacob learned that and made a commitment to him. See, God's promises must be taken personally. The Bible comes alive when they're personal and it's not just something or someone that you read about. But it's yours. And one of the things that's helpful for me, and I encourage you as well, is when you come to these promises, wherever, wherever they are in the Bible, and there's a promise being made, insert your name in there. And so it's not just a promise given, but it's a promise to Dale or Joe or Susie or Bob or whatever your name is, and to claim those personally. And that's what Jacob did, and it changed his life. Now Jacob went on, his life was not simple. It wasn't easy either. He had to endure being mistreated, deceit, worked many years to be able to marry the woman that he loved desperately. That same woman died early in life during childbirth. He even suffered separation from his beloved son Joseph for a number of years, deceived by his own sons out of jealousy. But God never left 
Jacob. And each day as he went along, he learned to walk a little more closely with God and to trust God a little bit more fully and completely as he experienced all of these things because this was his time, his place as God was unfolding that plan. And then one day later in his life, uh, he was faced with a really difficult, hard situation. There was a great famine in the land and the people were starving. And Jacob had responsibility for a large family, 12 sons and their wives and children and all of the livestock and, and what to do. And their, their, their sense that he was being invited or, or asked to take the, all of them and move down to Egypt. And that brought a lot of uncertainty for him as he faced that. And so what do we find we find in chapter 46 that Jacob goes back to the cave. And he goes back to be alone with God. And what he needed to learn from God was not something new, but rather to be reminded of what God had already promised and who God already had shown him to be. It says here at the beginning of chapter 46 that he stopped, he offered sacrifices, and God spoke to Israel, another name for Jacob, in a vision at night, and he said, Jacob, Jacob, and here I am, he replied, and I am the God, of, I am God, the God of your father, and he's saying, I haven't changed. I'm the same God that came to you that night when you were laying alone underneath the stars. I'm the same God who's been with your fathers and I'm the same God who's walked with you every step along the way. So don't be afraid to go down to Egypt for I will make you into a great nation there just as he had promised before to do. The promise continued. Nothing had changed. But I'm guessing it was particularly helpful for Jacob to be reminded in verse 4 that God says, I will go down to Egypt with you and I will surely bring you back again. There was nothing more precious to Jacob than God's presence in his life, to know that he was with him. And that's the same thing with you and me. You know, we might be faced with big decisions and hard decisions. Again, it might be about a career. It might be about college. Maybe a life situation has changed. Maybe there's an illness or a health situation that's cropped up in your life. There's difficulties. And we need to simply go back to the cave and be reminded about how, who God is and how faithful he is, but especially that he promises to be with us just as he did with Jacob, no matter what it is that we're going to be facing in the coming days, in the coming months, the coming years, that God will be with us. And that meant more to Jacob than anything because it's God's promise of his presence that gives us peace and courage. You know, God's promise to be with us that gives us peace in what we're facing, the courage to make the decisions that we need to make. And so, as you and I go through this appointed time in our lives, we need to remember that this is part of God's unfolding plan. God's got this, God is sovereign. What he began way back in the Garden of Eden, he's continuing, and he will be faithful to do that. 
until the day that Jesus comes again, and then he will continue beyond that as well. But in the meantime, he brings at different places in that, in that plan the opportunity for people to be used by him and to develop relationships with him like Abraham and like Isaac and like Jacob and like you and me. This is our time. And so as we look at God's promises, let's claim them for ourselves. Not somebody else, but this is ours. When we commit to follow God, let's commit to follow him because he's my God and he's your God. He's just not the God of somebody else, but he's our God. And claim the promises for ourselves that he will be faithful, he'll be with us no matter where it is and what it is that happens in our lives as he unfolds that segment of the plan. Why? Because he's been doing it forever. And he promises to continue to do it forever. So as we summarize, when you have your cave time, what promises have you claimed as your own? Perhaps especially for something that you're facing right now. And search the Bible and find that promise and put your name in there and claim it for yourself. And when you have table time, just as Jacob would have learned about God from his father Isaac and from his grandfather Abraham. So it is an opportunity for us to share with others, particularly our families, but others, our friends and co-workers. So who needs to hear about these promises? Who needs to hear about God? But especially with our own family and our network, who needs to be reminded perhaps of the promises that God has given And then with the assurance that he's going to be with us and he will never leave us because that's what he's promised to do, then where is it or how is it that God's calling you today to trust him just as he did with Jacob? Where's he calling you to trust him, his character, his love, his plan, his word, his promises, knowing that no matter where it is that he calls you to step and go, He's also promised to be with you. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for the examples that we find in Scripture of people like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the way that he grew to call you his God. And we pray that that might be true of us today as well. This is our time. And in your plan, you have a place for each of us at this, this point in history. So we pray that we might learn to trust you and to walk with you as they did. But it's not their faith. Let it be our faith. Let us claim you as our God and learn that you will always be with us wherever you call us to go. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.